2: They haven't won a World Series in a century or so, so what? They're here. Every April, they're here. A 1 of 5 or a 7 of 5, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that?
1: It's time for Hit and Run.
3: Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic.
1: Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs' first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a
2: sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man.
1: Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah,
2: what a about something like that? You
1: better. You want to make this team. Connecting with you, the baseball fanatic.
2: There's no crying in baseball. No crying.
1: Hit and run on Sports Radio 670 The Score, 670thescore.com, and the Radio.com app.
2: Good morning to you, baseball fans. It is me, Matt Spiegel, with you on a Sunday morning for Hit and Run, the scores venerable. Not vulnerable, but venerable baseball show. Lots of Cubs to talk about, White Sox to talk about, and uh, some of our regular segments and peoples will be here along the way as well. Chris Kamka from NBC Sports Chicago, the Sultan of Stat himself, will join us towards the bottom of this hour, or the end of this hour, I should say, for Cam Connections. My guest co-host today, starting at 10, is a dear friend, a rock and roll luminary, a radio straight up icon, and maybe the most ardent baseball fan I know, Lynn bramer, who has who does the morning show on w x r t and Bramer is uh, he woke up today, which is nice because when he doesn't have to wake up, he usually doesn't wake up unless it's for Cubs game or drinking or drinking and then a Cubs game or drinking at a Cubs game or these kind of things. But either way, he's coming to hang in here and talk some baseball uh, with us from about 10 to mm, 1130 or so. At 1140, we'll check in on the Dodgers, the Dodgers, who are on their way. They're in Milwaukee. They've got another one to go up there today. And then on Tuesday, it is Dodgers and Cubs for a rematch of an NLCS in the not-too-distant past when you Darvish was good. Remember that? Remember that? When you Darvish was wagging the bat at Carl Edwards Jr. and drawing a four-pitch walk and then throwing the bat like Tim Anderson a little bit? And then that was the best moment, his best moment ever at Wrigley Field. <laughs> Since then, not so much. We're going to start with White Sox, but let me just share with you, if you don't know, if you don't realize, that Yu Darvish has never recorded an out in the sixth inning while wearing a Cubs uniform. Never. 2-6 with a 5.31 ERA and a 1.53 walks plus hits per innings pitched in his 13 starts as a Cub. Sometimes he looks better than others. The fastball has life the The variety is there sometimes he strikes a ton of guys out. often he ends an outing lately with a confident inning, something that feels good and we'll get to all of that, but the truth statistically hurts. We are still waiting for an out to be recorded in the sixth inning for you darvish in a cubs uniform hey it's it's five innings and three states three straight starts though first time ever he got through five and three straight starts, that is how low the bar is for a $126 million pitcher. And oh, by the way, the Brandon Morrow news from yesterday is absolutely brutal. There no longer is a time frame. There is no time frame. Who knows? Who knows? Setback. Big time setback. In the elbow. <laughs> the elbow that he had operated on. The elbow that has been hurt in the past. Massive setback. Also, Tyler uh, Chatwood is your starting pitcher today. So it's a banner day for the free agent class from a, two years ago. Tyler Chatwood, when he's on, he's good. He is? Is, 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 that, is that true? I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Well, we'll see if he's on today. Uh, the White Sox play in Detroit, and you should not bet against the White Sox, says the Open in our 8 men out a uh, segment of the Open there that Eli Hershkovich put together. And I'm told that Eli is betting on the White Sox today. Because you're allowed to do that, you can just bet on sports now anywhere you want, really. It's going to be even more places. I've, I, I, I hate the betting on baseball. I hate it. I, it, it's, it perverts a game that needs no perversion. It needs none of it. Except my fantasy team. How's my fantasy team doing? I got to see how I'm doing to see if I can win my matchups of the week. See, that's why you, you talk about that stuff. You immediately get caught in a contradiction if you play fantasy sports at all, which, of course, I do. 312-644-6767 is the phone number to talk Cubs and White Sox as we lead up towards Cubs pregame at 1230. This hour is brought to you by Continental Toyota. Experience the Continental Toyota difference with over 400 new and used vehicles in stock located on the Grange Road and I-55 in Hodgkins. ContinentalToyota.com. Happy Easter, everybody, to those who celebrate. Happy Passover to those who celebrate. Uh, Had a terrific Seder Uh, out there in Los Angeles with some friends on Friday night, was vacationing before that. I am terribly sunburned, which you can't see on the video stream. My child is horrifically sunburned. Some of the worst parenting of my life has taken place in this particular week. Day one uh, in Malibu on Tuesday, or on Wednesday. Hey, it's hazy. It's not that hot. You don't really need to put a ton of sunscreen on when it's, oh my God, and now my child is blistering. Please, nobody call DCFS. Please. Thank you. But happy Easter, happy Passover to all. I want to talk about the news of the week uh, in perhaps a different lens than it has been talked about. Um, look, I have been wrong before when I predict either stardom or not for a baseball player. Maybe you've seen the T-shirt that, um, that someone made for me. There was one night that I tweeted, uh, hi, my name is Matt. And I once wanted to trade Javier Baez for pitching because I did. I advocated for it one very, very long off season after the brutal debut from Baez. And I was convinced that the swing, that the load up was just too long. He's not going to get there. So I said that on Twitter one night and somebody printed me a T-shirt, sent it to me. I now have the T-shirt. Hi, my name is Matt. And I once wanted to trade Javier Baez for pitching. My wife has a t-shirt that says, hi, I'm married to a guy named Matt, and he once wanted to trade Javier Baez for pitching. At least it should say that. It might say that her name is Matt, which is, of course, not true. But anyway, so I'm wrong a lot, and I'm happy to admit it, because baseball is a very challenging game. The smartest guys in the best front offices around the game make mistakes all the time. But I'm not wrong about Tim Anderson. Spent the spring saying that he was going to break out even larger than he had last year. I love Tim Anderson. Love this kid as a player. Um, I like him very much as a maturing adult as well. Yes. And look, you're seeing the swagger. You're seeing the leadership, the ownership of his role on this team, his confidence in his game. And yes, I did say maturity. Look, the N-word is complicated. We know it is. You cannot ignore the details of when, how, and by whom it is used. And I promise you, by the way, this is not the lens with which I want to talk about this, this news of the week with Tim Anderson. But to address this part of it first, okay? Uh, the use of that word is not, it's not to use a phrase with a wink, black and white. It's and any one of us who's grown up in the era of hip-hop knows the power and the context of that word depends on the speaker, as much as it does on the target to, to cover this, um, you know, efficiently and then move forward. I'll read this to you from James Feigen in the athletic who I thought nailed it. This word, it is not appropriate to be yelled in the middle of a broadly consumed mass entertainment product like baseball. I agree. Anderson's suspension, which the league feels a continuance of the precedent set by Yuli Gurriel's suspension for making a racist and derogatory gesture in regard to you, Darvish, during the 2017 World Series, is acknowledgment of that truth, as is Anderson's acceptance of it. Yes. But a one-size-fits-all approach to racial slurs that ignores the historical and present context of racism in this country that tries to adjudicate the use of the N-word removed of any understanding of its use by African-Americans is an approach that will lend itself to tone-deaf responses again and again. That is very well said. And as Lucas Giolito said, as quoted in the article, given Timmy's circumstances, who he is, how he grew up, I think that the word he said in the context that he said it isn't the same as someone else saying it. It's very important that we kind of all understand this, right? It is. It's very important. So my point is about this part of it. Suspend if you must, MLB, to try and you know, tell people that the word, that insults of this nature are not acceptable. So if you must feel like you should suspend, then do. But contextualize, teach, allow perspective and knowledgeable growth therein. OK, and hopefully through some of the conversation that has taken place this week, some of the ball players coming to Tim Anderson's defense and sort of explaining it. Micah Johnson yesterday, I saw on, on Twitter, Marcus Stroman a few days ago, some other guys getting in there, that the context has been added and and people are, are understanding it. But let's go before that. Let's go to the issue that started the whole thing As Tim Anderson throws the bat excitedly after a home run that breaks a tie, which enraged the Royals, enraged others around the league. And the Royals broadcast going hard on Tim Anderson for the bat throw. People need to understand, and, and and maybe most of you do, but if you don't, the league is at war with itself. The league itself is at war with itself. The best marketing campaign in years by this league. And I had Eli Hershkovich pull a little piece of this commercial. I think started last postseason with uh, an, an ad that MLB ran featuring Ken Griffey Jr. Let the kids play. Let the kids play. How many times? How many have we discussed baseball trying to get younger, trying to market itself to the young, to the to the energetic, to the passionate. Right, we've, we've come a long way for the most part. The fun police are, are derided for the most part. And the league itself has embraced this. This is a snippet of the follow-up to that Let the Kids Play commercial that aired last year in the postseason. This is Let the Kids Play 2.0, and it's a whole bunch of big-time players at a press conference, a long table addressing the media before the season began. It ends with Mike Trout saying the tagline, But we'll choose this 20, 25-second chunk of this commercial from Let the Kids Play. It begins, uh, ironically enough, with Christian Yelich, who just last night hit his 12th and his 13th home run. But it starts with Christian Yelich. This is the piece of the Let the Kids Play commercial. Any predictions for this season? Yeah, we're just going to take it one game at a time. Uh, We're going to have a good team. We're excited. We're going to win this World Series and the next one. Oh. Y la próxima.
1: 28 World Series Championship sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? How many were you a part of? I remember winning my first ring. I only got room for nine more. 0.0
3: ERA. 9-9. Sabe que you're un a de verdad.
2: I'm
3: going to hit 50 home runs this year. I'm going to hit 60, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75. I'm going to hit 80 home runs. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. Postseason. Postemporada. MVP. MVP, huh? Dynasty. I feel sorry for the baseball. Mike, Mike, Mike.
0: Mike. Mike. Anything you want
2: to say? Just let the kids play. So that's Mike Trout finishing it off with let the kids play. In the middle of it, you can't hear. There's no, the only audio you might notice is the microphone being dropped. What that is, is Francisco Lindor swinging the microphone like a bat and then flipping it. The middle of the commercial has a celebratory bat flip in it. So baseball is telling you, let the kids play. Let the kids play. They're marketing itself. They're celebrating the bat flip. Go tell the Royals broadcast team. Go tell Randall Grichuk who tweeted about it yesterday. If Bud Norris is still talking somewhere, go tell him. The league has decided you're wrong. It's decided you are wrong. It wants the passion, the celebration, the excitement, the energy, the youth (laughs) vitality, the edge that's in the game from these young guys excitedly celebrating a home run. The league knows it needs it. They've decided which path they're taking. They themselves are saying, let the kids play. Don't beanball the energy out of people. Don't shame the the players into robotic sameness. That era is over. The league cannot afford to stay in it. It knows it. The league itself knows it. So Rex Hudler, Randall Gritchuk, others who, uh, who had a problem with what Tim Anderson did. You don't have to plunk somebody for that stuff anymore. The game doesn't need to police itself for that stuff anymore. I don't care if he was plunked the right way by Keller and he's hit below the belt and the statement was made. I don't care. You don't need to do it anymore. The league has told you to let them play. Listen to your own league. Meanwhile, Tim Anderson is having a great year, hitting four twenty-two. He uh, remains one of three Chicago players in the top 15 in OPS all around baseball. Wilson Contreras is the best of them. Tim Anderson is second. And Jason Hayward, here we are a week later, and he's still number 15 in OPS around MLB. It's quite something. All right, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can uh, dial in and talk White Sox with us, talk about Tim Anderson, talk about that stuff around the league if you want. You can talk Cubs with us, talk about Yu Darvish and Brandon Morrow, Chris Kampka coming up with Camp Connections at uh, 945 or so, Lynn Bramer coming in here at 10 o'clock, Bill Plunkett to help preview the Dodgers later on, and we take you up until Cubs pregame at 1230. I want to talk about the Yu Darvish conundrum, though, and pitchers going deep or not into games. It's Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. Keep it right here.
1: Here Watch come the, the benches. Fun in baseball is not allowed. We have to yell at each other because he flipped his bat because he hit a home run. Why don't you just get him out? That would be the idea. But this is not the first time Tim Anderson has done that. No, I mean, that that was pretty flagrant, especially after he threw the bat and then he, he yelled something and looked like it was a... It, towards Baldonado. I mean... You understand that it's a very competitive game. Totally get it. That's the way it used to be in baseball, that you're going to get a hit when you do something like that. But you can also get him out. You can't expect to to just be flagrant and flaunt
2: like that, you know, and show your opponent up without any repercussions. Actually, actually, yes. Yes, you can. And you should. Because the league has decided, Rex... The league has decided, Royals broadcast team, that the kids are allowed to play. That's the A and the B from the White Sox broadcast with Jason Benetti and then the Royals broadcast when Tim Anderson threw the bat. I know what happened earlier in the week. This is the Scores Weekly Baseball Show, Hit and Run. I'm Matt Spiegel, and I'm here with you on Sunday. And I wanted to give a little context to it now that Tim Anderson has served his suspension and he'll be back on the field today having a hell of a year uh, as he is. On my fantasy team as well. See, a texture says the key to a great fantasy team is don't draft Chicago players. No, you got to draft the right ones. I've got Baez and I've got Tim Anderson. I've got Carlos Redon. Unfortunately, I also have you, Darvish, and I keep threatening to cut him to send a message. I, I really I need to get a message across to him as opposed to the message that, that Joe Madden and the Cubs keep trying to impart on him, which is finish strong, no matter how short the outing is, finish as strong as he can, then that's going to carry over to the next time. And I say that with a sense of irony because it's actually what he needs. It is what he needs, but we'll talk about that. You want to keep talking about Tim Anderson and the bat flip and, and the way that these things are, you know, I, I know it's been pointed out to those Royals broadcasters and to a lot of Royals fans that this thing gets endlessly partisan, You guys can do it. It's just that the opponents can't, right? Alcides Escobar with a memorable bat flip on the 30th of May, 2018, that the Royals themselves happily tweeted out one of the best bat flips in Royals history after a walk-off home run. Oh, but that's different. Different than a home run that breaks a tie in the middle innings. Yeah, it is, but you're marketing the game. And the league has decided. The league has made its decision for you. It's hit and run on 670, the score. Bill is in Tinley Park. Hey, Bill, you're on the score. What's happening?
1: Hey, Matt. I love your show, man. I think you do a great job. I think it was a great move putting you in this spot. Um, hey, I'm about as conservative as it gets, man. I'm going to put my lawn signs out today so that the kids won't walk on the lawn, all right? <laughs> okay. Um, the White Sox took a bunch of minor leaguers down to the Dominican um, yes. the past offseason. I was watching it on NBC Sportsnet and they took the kids to a Dominican game. <clears throat> I really understand, you know, guys getting offended by bat flips and throwing at somebody, but my mind changed when I watched some of that game. The celebration that takes place amongst the fans, yeah, the pure joy of the sport came out to me, and especially for the White Sox, which, and I'm all for this rebuild. I love the players that they brought in. I like Tim Anderson and his attitude. I love the guy. I really think that if Major League Baseball doesn't do this in mass, the White Sox should look at doing it, is trying to fold a few games into the year that would support that type of atmosphere and expose people to it. And I think that a lot of this stuff would kind of settle itself down. I think that for the Latin players to see that kind of exposure come to the United States hmm. and to see the fans embrace it, which I think that they would would be awesome for them, too, because it would make them feel like at home. You know, I look at Mankata sometimes, especially last year. Kid looked like a fish out of water. Yeah. You know, he just did not look comfortable. And maybe that had to do with, hey, I'm, you know, in the United States. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not exposed to that. Um, When it came to Tim this week, I, I understand he plays on emotion. But what if the white guy had called him, you know, a white slur? None of it made sense. Yeah, before, before, but before, but let's.
2: You know, but Bill, off at the mouth. yeah, and I hear you, Bill. Uh, let's skip the last part of it because I think you brought up enough in the in the earlier part of it. It's a really, really good phone call. If 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 I'm, sh- it's really interesting to hear Bill's perspective, an admittedly conservative White Sox fan who has watched, paid attention, listened and now embrace the culture from which a lot of these really good young White Sox players come from. That Dominican piece that he's talking about where Ryan McGuffey and others from NBC Sports went down there. We're going to have McGuffey and Chuck Garfine in here together at some point during the year as guest co-hosts, and I definitely want to talk about that because that was great. If you've watched the World Baseball Classic, man, the atmosphere when the Dominican play, play the Puerto Ricans or the the Cubans are in there, the atmosphere of those games is outrageous, and it is a, frankly, and if you're not listening, Brooks Boyer, then let the friends of Brooks Boyer be listening. It's a terrific idea for the White Sox to try. And I know they have tried. On They've had Latin night, and they've had a few things like that. But to try and get that atmosphere around your ballpark is a terrific idea. I don't know if that means giving out Vuvuzelas and, <laughs> and, and trying to get um, you know people to swing those around as they have during the World Cup, and they were doing so, I believe, during the World Baseball Classic. But... My God, it's just, it is so purely fun and energetic and passionate. And, and that is the future of sports. And this is beyond a race issue. Uh, it Really, it just feels like a generational issue to me. And it's just so classic. It's like rock and roll, right? And again, we got Bramer coming in in 30 minutes. The kids are supposed to piss you off. You get to be 40 or 45. They're supposed to be doing stuff that makes you go, and in my day, it's not the way it rolled. Right. You did that stuff to your parents, whatever it was that you did with passion and exuberance that your parents didn't like or the, the most most people in that generation. This it's a generational thing. It's happening whether you like it or not. So as a texture says, um, you can't expect these old school guys to change their minds right away. It's going to take time. You're right. So I'm not going to yell at them. You know, and that's like let's let them hear it. I hope Rex Hudler has has had some people talking to him. And kind of, I mean, Rex is a good dude. But you know, when Randall Gritchuk is is saying, "Man, these guys got to do, these guys got to change what they do." You gotta, you can't be doing that. I mean, come on, it's just doing too much, as he said yesterday on Twitter. Tim Anderson went back at him. Maybe it was a couple days ago. Your league wants to embrace the youth. They want to embrace. This generation's passion. You need to. Well, I loved that phone call from Bill in Tinley Park. Lots of good stuff in there. Interesting perspective. And we all, you know, we we all we all get to we all get the chance to evolve with our sports or not. This is your opportunity this week. Joanna's in Madison, Wisconsin, on six seventy. The score. Hello, Joanna.
0: Hello. Wow. I am completely with you. f and I'm in my forties. FYI, oh, I am with you that we need to embrace the young and MLB has got to let it go it's got to be careful not to install a double standard we have first of all we have Bryce Harper the big drama story he came back to Washington D.C. he hit a home run off of Max Scherzer yeah. big huge bat flip Right. there was no throwing at the baseball there was no anything it was celebrated and then you get uh, Tim Anderson doing a bat flip gets hit by the baseball, gets gets at Major League Baseball, comes down on him. And it's like, okay, who gets to do Who gets to celebrate? Who doesn't? And it means that there's on one hand, there's the old school guys going, you can do this, but you can't. Um, being a Cubs fan, then I turn around and you look at Javi Baez. Um, He's celebrated, but then again, at the same time, he gets knocked. Well, we had there was a big issue last year where um, Clint Hurdle, the Pirates, was coming down on him. I'm like, if you're going to let the kids play, yeah, let the kids play.
2: Yeah, it's happening slowly. Um, and for the record, obviously, baseball came down on Anderson for using the word that he used in the midst of the fracas. And we, uh, we addressed that in the first segment. So we're not ignoring that. And that is an, its own complicated issue that, that we've talked about. I, I, I just wanted to go back to the beginning kernel of it, which is this level of excitement, this level of passion with a bat flip and how some people are still not accepting it. When the league itself has told you it is time to accept it. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Nothing beats playoff hockey in Chicago. Catch your Central Division champion Chicago Wolves as they battle Grand Rapids in the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs. For up-to-date playoff information or tickets, visit chicagowolves.com. Um, just let the kids play. Right? Yeah. Who's that? Is is that Trout? Is that Trout from the end? Correct. I love that the commercial sets up Mike Trout with no doubt. Everybody on that stage, like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Francisco Lindor, Christian Yelich, etc. They all know. They all know who the best player in baseball is. They got no problem with Mike Trout having the final say. All right. um, I want to switch gears to, to, to Darvish here for For a moment, um first of all I, I I misspoke earlier when I gave the stat. The stat is that you darvish has never recorded an out as a cub beyond the sixth inning beyond the sixth inning. He went six innings three times last year, um not well, but he did go six innings three times last year and in uh in in his games this year, I think he went five and two thirds, one game went five and a third, another. but in those thirteen starts. Darvish has a 5.31 ERA, walked multiple batters in 11 of those 13 starts. He's allowed at least three earned runs in eight of those 13 starts. I don't know if you remember when, um, when Joe Madden pulled you, Darvish, after, I think it was four and, four and a third in Atlanta, a couple starts ago, and he said he wanted you to end with a good feeling. Well, Darvish yesterday had thrown 88 pitches, ended up being pinch hit four, but it wasn't like a, a crucial uh, great opportunity that demanded a pinch hitter. Cubs down 3 nothing, And Darvish uh, looked good in that fifth, looked good in that final inning. And as frustrating as it is, when you know you need length from your starters with a with a rocky bullpen, as frustrating as it is, Darvish is a guy who does need to feel good. We've talked about this. There is no reason to sugarcoat it, and there's also no reason to come down hard on him and call him a head case and all of that stuff. I mean, you can if you want. I'll just say what is undeniable. The man is sensitive. He is sensitive. He must be dealt with in a different way than some other pitchers, and it is important for him to end an outing with confidence. As unfortunate as you or I may think it is, it doesn't matter. And Darvish himself said it yesterday. This is Darvish after the game talking about that fifth inning. I want to go, definitely.
3: <laughs> but I understand the baseball is different than American League.
1: So a little you know, disappointed, disappointed, but that's National League. He
2: said it was mentally very good. Good for the next start is the quote that I, that I had read. He wanted to go six, but it was very good mentally, good for the next start. He got cheered when he struck out Adam Jones swinging to finish the fifth inning. Darvish gets to leave. He gets to leave feeling okay. And his stuff did come around. And we can have that as our storyline for the next three or four days. As we are, despite what Theo Epstein said, we are in a start-to-start referendum on Yu Darvish's career. That's what it feels like. It's unfortunate. You want to expand wider but you keep looking for him to have it click. Well, maybe it clicked there in the last few innings. Something's just funky, man. It's just funky with Darvish. It It is. It It's the stuff is there. It's always been there. And he's never pitched up to the capabilities of his stuff, never pitched up to the quality of it. Whether it's, Uh, focus while he's there, whether it's getting too much of the plate, he was missing spots like crazy early on yesterday. The Escobar Homer was off uh, uh, a fastball. I think the, the O2 Homer that Peralta hit was off a cutter or might've been the other way around, but they weren't the same pitch. It's just that he was missing spots, getting too much of the plate. Got to be so frustrating to be the manager or pitching coach. Or schemer, or game planner for you, Darvish. There he is, going five, and then Allen Webster gives up the ghost in the in the sixth inning for three more, and it's six nothing, and that's that. You might want you Darvish to go longer. Maybe he wanted to go longer, but they make the decision. Madden makes the decision to try and end it on a positive mental note. A positive time frame, and I think it's been proven that you have to do those kind of things with Darvish. Um, Eli, you said you found this. This is Tom Brenneman uh, from a Reds game after Desclafani had left early on Friday. And Tom Brenneman, uh, talking about this, we've talked about this issue so many times. I want guys to go longer. They, they don't learn to go longer unless you ask them to. But the numbers around the league tell you, man, that third time through the order is just not going to go well, not going to go well, so nobody gets trusted to do it, and so therefore they never learn to do it. Here's Brennan talking about it.
1: I mean, it's gotten to a point you and I have had the conversation about, you know, pitchers and going deeper into games and all that kind of thing. If you're taking pitchers out of a game, and, and I'm not suggesting for a second it's not the right move, but if we have reached a day and age where you're taking pitchers out that have allowed two hits in one walk and thrown 80 pitches in six innings, that we truly have reached the day where even the sniff of a complete game has almost vaporized. Oh, you're, you're right. Man. I mean, it's 80 pitches in six innings, two hits, one run at a walk, and you're done. Just because of that third time through the order thing.
2: Yeah, it's a, there's a level of terror about that third time through the order. And sometimes it's, it's true with guys. I get it. But you don't have those, uh, those lockdown sixth or seventh inning guys. Not everybody has those guys. If you don't have those guys, then why not let your starter try and learn, especially earlier in the year? My God. And from the Cubs' perspective, these are the guys making all the money. These are the guys you have to lean on. And they were doing it. Before yesterday, over the last seven games, the starters had an ERA under 1, 096 for those seven games before yesterday, Wilson Contreras was talking about it, saying that they are taking responsibility. They're the guys who have to do it, and they are taking responsibility. John Lester might be coming back this week. We'll see. It's Jose Quintana on Tuesday. It's Cole Hamels on Wednesday. And then TBD on Thursday. There's a chance that it's Lester, although probably not. But the Cubs have clawed their way back to mediocrity uh, at 500 before yesterday's game. And now one under after you was you yesterday. I've got some, uh, some Christian Yelich numbers that are just absolutely absurd. Chris Kampka is going to join us in a few minutes for Camp Connections. Lynn Bramer's up at the top of the hour to talk music and baseball and the nexus between and betwixt and all sorts of stuff. I need to know how that man has dealt with winning in his life. Probably not well. And uh, we'll preview the Dodgers later on as the Dodgers are coming. The Dodgers are coming. Tre-la, tre Starting on Tuesday. Ton of stuff to get to. Your phone calls and your texts. Elemental to the completion of the broadcast. It is hit and run on a Sunday morning. I'm Matt Spiegel. It's 670 the score.
1: The Sox have... Swung it well against in his career. For the most part, the Sox have made it sting as Moncada drives it to center. Jones is back at the warning track. This is into the shrubbery. Oh my gosh, that thing was demolished. That's got to be 460, 470 feet. I mean, it's 420 to straightaway center. <laughs>
2: We're going to get ourselves Cam connected with Chris Kamka because we need to talk about Yoan Moncada. Moncada said he never hit a ball that clean. He never quite had a swing that felt that good. And the effects were seen right there. Yoan Moncada off to a terrific start that continues. Tim Anderson off to a great start. Chris Kamka covers the White Sox and much more for NBC Sports Chicago. The Sultan of Stat joins us right now. And what's going on there, Chris? How are you? Good morning.
3: Oh, good morning, Matt. How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, so,
2: what, so what was the final tally on that? Like 466? Something like that?
3: 458. So when Steve Stone said that's got to be four sixty four seventy, he was two feet off initially. Not bad. That was a blast.
2: It is true. All right. Thanks for your call. Good to talk to you, Chris. Oh, wait. There's more. Right. There's more after that was a blast. Yes, there is more. Tell me about Juan Moncada. What what's going on with Juan Moncada? Why is this so happening? This, so this season so far, he has 83
3: plate appearances.
2: Okay. And, yeah.
3: Um. And in those 83, he has 25 hits, six home runs, 20 strikeouts, none looking. And this is after <laughs> he had 85 strikeouts looking last year. Yep. So through through the same 83 plate appearances to begin 2018. 25 hits, so or uh, 15 hits, that's 10 fewer. Mm. Three home runs, that's half. 33 strikeouts and 13 looking. So if you notice the difference, there's a difference of 13 strikeouts, which happens to be the amount of looking strikeouts he had last year. So that seems to be the difference.
2: Well, it's it's what we talked about all offseason, right, Chris? The 85 caught looking and the fact that he's still sitting at none. Right here on the 21st of April I was looking a little bit deeper at some of the the the, the swing stats at at Fangraphs so and Mankata is swinging at a lot more pitches in the zone than he was last year. I think he's swinging at more pitches outside of the zone too. I think he's he's just swinging a lot more and making more contact he is, too.
3: He is that, but he, you're right, as you said, the swing in the zone rate has gone from 63.9% to 68.2 mm. and the zone contact rates have Gone along with it seventy nine point eight last year to eighty six point one wow that's making all the difference he's making he's you know he's identifying those pitches in the zone he's hitting them and he's crushing them because wow. the 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 numbers are excellent i mean he's making great contact extra base hits yeah the walks are a little down but I'll take the drop off and walks for this kind of production.
2: Without a doubt, and this is the direction he needed to go. I remember when Paul Canerco was doing a broadcast last year on NBC Sports Chicago with with Hawk and was saying, he's just got to start hitting. he got to prove to people that you can hit lasers all over the ballpark before you get the respect from umps, the respect from pitchers, and that's exactly what he's doing. Let the walks go down, and they'll come back eventually because the eye is there.
3: But, about those walks, though, I mean, even if the walk number isn't as high as it was, yeah, you do see him grinding out at bats. You do see him going deep into the count, mm-hmm. so it's not just he's swinging at everything now, he's swinging a little more, but he's still got a good eye, and you can still see it
2: wow it's it, it, it's it's pretty exciting if you're gonna be getting that. I know by the way, Chris Sale is just absolutely awful in Boston, but that's that's not why you called. Um, All right, good stuff on Moncada, and he and Tim Anderson are the main reasons to watch that team on offense these days. Uh, What you got for the flip side?
3: Okay, so the Cubs, the big story of the Cubs starting out the season is the pitching. First nine games, they had a 7.51 ERA. But in the 10 games since, it's a 1.80, which happens to be the best in the majors Mm -hmm. over that span. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising enough that two and three teams in that are – the Pirates, and the Reds. The, so the Cubs, Pirates, Reds are 1-2-3 in the majors in the ERA since, from April 8th on, which is crazy. The Reds. Um, so wow. this has brought them right around league average and pitching in this league. So a 4.38 ERA for the team for the year is just a little better, a little higher than the NL average of 4.28. Considering the start they have, it's an amazing turnaround they have. Hmm. And, of course, it was bolstered by three straight scoreless starts of at least seven innings. The first time that they did that since 1971. And a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, the competition is poor. But I ask, surely there's been a lot of poor teams in the league since 1971. Why hadn't they done it since then Mm -hmm. until now? So, I mean, you do have to beat the teams on your schedule. You don't need to write an apology for beating them. They're there. You have to (laughs) beat them. And the Cubs have been doing it. Building confidence along the way, which matters. Yeah, Uh, uh, uh
2: absolutely. Keep going.
3: So those three scoreless starts in the middle. So yesterday, Darvish gives up a run and ends up being the first Cubs starter to give up a run since himself on Monday. So that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I mentioned this last week, but Kyle Hendricks... You did! I've got it.
2: I've got it written down right here. You jinxed Kyle Hendricks. Last week you were telling me that he had the streak of like 6,600-some pitches and having never thrown a wild pitch, and then there he is this week doing it. Your fault.
3: Sorry, Kyle. Uh, 6,662 straight pitches without a wild pitch. That includes postseason. That's over with, but he still does. Have a current streak. Well, I don't. I think this is one he's going to want to stop or or not. Four hundred and forty-two straight pitches under ninety miles an hour. And consider how good he's done um, this last start. He tops out at eighty-eight for this season, and you still know he's a really good pitcher. Yeah. And that's just you're not going to see many more like him ever again. Just being able to do what he does and topping out at eighty-eight, which is insane.
2: Yeah, it, it is and insane. Another... He's got he's got those two change ups which which go with. The two fastballs. Um, it, before before you roll on, I know how much you watched Jose Quintana and broke him down as a White Sox. The, this guy, these last two starts, this is the best guy, the best version that the Cubs have seen. Maybe that first start when they just got him after the trade deadline against Baltimore. There was a start or two in Milwaukee, but... Two starts ago, he threw 13 changeups. This past start, I know he was up above 20. I think it was like 21 or maybe even 23 changeups that he threw in this last start. This looks like the Quintana that that gave you uh, all those excellent Burley-esque years on the south side, doesn't it?
3: Yes, I agree with that. Uh, you know, to see him struggling, it just didn't make sense to me because I'd seen more than enough of him to know that this guy – he's a, he's an unsung hero in the majors starting pitcher. I mean, and yeah, I mean, you mix in a change up, you you develop a little confidence in that pitch. Everything changes. Mm -hmm. And well, literally. Um, (laughs) So hopefully he keeps this up. I mean, yeah. I mean, like everyone says, the competition he, he did against the Marlins, but you know, what? I don't care. I I think that um, you need to be able to do it before you can prove you can move on. And I think, I think he's a guy that Cub fans are going to end up cheering for big time by the end of the year.
2: All right, I, I cut you off. You have you have you have one more item for me before we roll, Chris Kamka. Yeah, so i, I
3: you know I was you know trying to figure an encore for these um for these streaks. <clears throat> so I killed the Hendricks streak. <laughs> um, when John Lester comes back, keep in mind, everybody, that he's thrown thirty five thousand five hundred sixteen pitches since his last balk. keep an eye on that, everybody. And and if I jinx that one, by all means, come after me.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Chris. He's at CKamka on Twitter. 35,000 pitches for John Lester since his last balk. Oh, man. Christian Yelich is a beast. Two homers last night for Yelich. Yelich has played in 87 games in Milwaukee as a brewer. 87 games the last two years. Anybody like to guess how many home runs Christian Yelich has hit in Milwaukee over the last two years in those 87 games? 35. Yeah, that's, that's correct, Eli. 35! 35 homers in 87 games. That dude is absurd. And I love that in the Let the Kids Play commercial that we played earlier in the, uh, in the hour, Yelich is the guy saying, I'm going to hit 50 home runs this year. What was the over/under at the beginning of the year, Eli? What did they have it set at? Twenty nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna. It was plus one fifteen two. So you're making money if you're betting a hundred bucks. Well, remember that Yelich came in in February and said, "What's it? what does everybody say now? A return to the mean or whatever." It's what everybody says. That that's the big phrase of the moment. And Yelich said, "Screw that. That's not going to be me." And uh, so far, he is uh, he's spot on. All right. My friend Lynn Bramer, the morning show host at WXRT, and one of the more ardent baseball fans I know, a man who makes my baseball romanticism look like child's play, joins us next on 670 The Score as our guest co-host for the next while. So keep it right here on Hit and Run. It's The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours